When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast contains explicit language. I'm 100% behind Jeff Sessions. The chairman of the Judiciary Committee sent a pretty chilling uh, tweet yesterday. Uh, there will be no confirmation hearing for a new attorney general in 2017. Uh, if Jeff Sessions is fired, there will be holy hell to pay. If you're thinking of making a recess appointment to push out the attorney general, forget about it. Any effort to go after Mueller could be the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. He's setting the stage uh, for this entire city and country uh, to head into a political twilight zone. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So since essentially the beginning of Trumpcast, low those 17 months ago, we have talked about the violation of norms. Are you asleep yet? Norms, norm, remember from Cheers. But, you know, who wants to talk about norms, norm, who rallies behind norms and normalcy? Too quickly, norms can be dismissed as pieties and alt-everyone can tell you your old Lawrence Welk to their awesome Sid Vicious. So instead of talking about norms, let's talk about violations of certainties. Sometimes I think this Trump disaster all began when the center officially, by all metrics, did not hold. Trump didn't pay taxes, and was in crap health, but somehow certified as the healthiest president in world history. So if nothing is certain but death and taxes, then nothing is certain. We seem to be in violation of much more than norms, natural laws, like the ones the story goes are enshrined in the Constitution, which, remember, grew out of an idea of human rights that we're supposed to adhere in all of us humans, all of us featherless bipeds, to be derived from the nature of things the course of human events. So I'm not just being a schoolmarm to say Trump is a problem child, but I think he's an unnatural being who trespasses against all that is natural in the world every time he puts his fingerprints to Twitter. Just to get this a little more down to earth, we are talking about constitutional crisis. And my friend and esteemed colleague, Dahlia Lithwick, who writes about the law and Supreme Court for Slate, also hosts Amicus, our podcast, is here to shed light on the matter. What is a constitutional crisis? How do you know when you're in one? And are certain Republican senators hinting that we might, 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 might have stepped into constitutional crisis territory? We'll be back with all that soon. But first, the tweets with John D. Domenico in studio. 
constitutional crisis, John? What do you wear to a constitutional crisis? I'm going to make sure Melania looks fantastic because this is going to be the greatest constitutional crisis we've ever had. I'm at a rally right now. I'm just like cheering this on. This is terrible. Who needs the Constitution when you have reruns of The Apprentice? Am I right? All right. (laughs) Let's hear those tweets. Here we go. Is fake news. Washington Post being used as a lobbyist weapon against Congress to keep politicians from looking into Amazon no-tax monopoly. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has taken a very weak position on Hillary Clinton crimes. Where are the emails and DNC server and intel leakers? Jared Kushner did very well yesterday in proving he did not collude with the Russians. Witch hunt. Next up, 11-year-old Baron Trump. Senator Lisa Murkowski of the great state of Alaska really let the Republicans end our country down yesterday. Too bad. Three Republicans and 48 Democrats let the American people down. As I said from the beginning, let Obamacare implode, then deal. Watch. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, I just want to give you guys a heads up that we have some exciting bonus materials today for Slate Plus listeners. John D. Domenico, the best, greatest Trump actor in the history of Trump actors. He is in the studio with me today. And just as a little teaser for this, and also because I just want to do it, I'm I'm asking him to teach me Mm. how to be Donald Trump. We're all soon going to be talking like our dear leader. That's right. Tremendous leader. Greatest leader in the history of leaders. (laughs) So compassionate. So amazing. I have to tell you. Oh my God, you have me in the palm of your hand whenever you do that. So I just want to be able to say Donald Trump. Just right. those two words, All Donald right. Trump. Can you make your throat a little raspy when you speak? Uh, Donald. That, that's good. Okay. <laughs> okay. And can you be a little more nasal? Actually, just hold your nose. Just okay. like this. Donald. Okay. okay. So, All right. So now you're going to say Donald. Donald. Trump. Trump. Okay. That's very good. So just a, just a little. So when you go Donald, go down. And then punch Trump. Donald Trump. All right, throw in, throw in <laughs> tremendous. Tremendous. You're doing great. You're doing incredible. <laughs> really, really amazing, I have to tell you. So talented. For more of this, slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. Today to talk about constitutional crisis is my dear friend, Dahlia Lithwick. She writes about law and the Constitution and the Supreme Court for Slate, and also hosts the podcast Amicus. 
I'm really excited to have her here. Welcome, Dahlia. Thank you for having me. I'm psyched to be here. I'm especially psyched that you and I have agreed to take our eyes off those crazy carnies. Those moochy, <laughs> autoerotic acrobats that If are, you say the word, yeah. he wears women's sunglasses, I'm out. Virginia, like, <laughs> okay. I don't. We don't We're not care. talking about that. No <laughs> World Wrestling Federation today. So, Dahlia, I have a working theory that no one knows what constitutional crisis really is. Watergate mm, wasn't one. That's... Desegregation yeah. and 9-11, no. Pearl Harbor, no. So how do we know we're in one unless some hot rebs in... South Carolina with sawed-off muskets incinerate Fort Sumter. I think you're totally right, Virginia. I think this goes back to the sort of famous Potter Stewart formulation about hardcore porn. We'll know it when we see it. Yes. <laughs> We're just waiting, waiting as it settles its cloak around us. Uh, it, to the extent that it makes you feel better, I think we can agree that some things, uh, Lincoln's suspension of habeas corpus, there are some things that look a lot like a constitutional crisis. But I think you're right. I think your working definition is is largely correct. And I think more perniciously, we use it when we shouldn't use it. So, you know, oh, my God, I broke a nail. It's a constitutional crisis. <laughs> and I think it is one of those terms that, that gets bandied about uh, in the manner of all negative terms until it's meaningless. And so we should try to preserve it uh, for for what it is. To the extent I can help clarify it all, I think that some of the definitions we've been reading in the last week, Erwin Chemerinsky at UC uh, at Berkeley says, it's when the Constitution itself cannot be enforced. That's a constitutional crisis. Mike Dorff, writing uh, in Newsweek, uses a similar definition. Uh, Noah Feldman says it's when somebody can do something to resolve a, a constitutional breakdown. So it requires a solution. But but these are all around the edges of your question. Uh, I think the better answer is we're going to know it when we see it and that it looks like a thing that might be coming, but there's not going to be a binary. Ah, here it is. And so when you say, it can, when you say that it, the Constitution can't be enforced, who would ever do that? I mean, SCOTUS does not have a police force and does not itself call on the National Guard. It's the president's job, right, to call it, as Lincoln did, a crisis. Well, I think that the idea is that if all three branches are working, by definition, they're checking each other, right? There's always going to be conflict between the branches. That is just life. That's not a constitutional crisis. I think the idea is when something occurs that disallows the Constitution from being carried out, that could be an example. So if, for instance, Bob Mueller down the line, you know, finds it in his power to indict a sitting president, that's an open question. Or if one of the emolument suits uh, goes forward and uh, Donald Trump, say, pardons himself or uh, says, no, I'm not subject to this. If something were to happen that were to preclude those constitutional forces from doing what they do. I think at that moment you call it a constitutional crisis. One of the reasons the language around constitutional crisis ramped up last week in Virginia is when Trump started talking about pardoning himself, yeah. when he started saying, I'm going to kneecap Mueller if he goes beyond his brief and starts looking at my finances or my family. Those are the moments, I think, where, wait, there are other branches of government. They have independent prerogatives. 
prerogatives. And the president is saying he's going to thwart them or obstruct justice or fire Mueller. I think at that moment, you can objectively say this is starting to look as though one of the branches is sticking a fork in the operation of the others so that they can't carry out their constitutional duties. And that seems to me, it, it, I, I, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm being less than crystal clear. No, no, no. Uh, this is right. You've been said. You said the word has, has been bandied around, and I do think there. It seems like there's a case for how do we know we're in a constitutional crisis? Well, we're already soaking in it. I mean, there have been so many trespasses, just appalling trespasses, about which we are always somewhere between concerned, like our GOP, and outraged, like the rest of us. But what does it buy us to say we're in a constitutional crisis? Like, what is it? What does it get us except? Yet another stronger way to put, we're seeing the violation of norms and mores that really threaten the basis of the republic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a problem. Look, we have this continuum, right? We have norms violation. That's every day, right? That's every exhale. Uh, And we have violations of sort of conventions that what constrains the president. So, for instance, when Donald Trump goes after the free press the way he's been doing, that's probably beyond a norms violation, right? When he's actually uh, threatening reporters or newspapers or um, Professor Mike Dorff has a, a good piece about this where he says, no, when when the president is actually suppressing, actively suppressing the vote, uh, trying to disenfranchise people uh, the way the Chris Kobach, Mike Pence commission is, That's beyond a norm, right? That Mm -hmm. seems as though it's creeping up on something that looks much more like a constitutional crisis. And as I said, I think firing uh, the uh, special counsel looks like that. And so I think what it's trying to do is set some kind of marker for things that may have a political solution, even if they don't have a legal solution. Yeah. And things that are beyond that. And the one I'm thinking of, Virginia, is do you remember during the airport revolution? when it looked as though, you know, the courts were enjoining the first travel ban and they were all saying, you know, CBP and and border officials um, and ICE, all the the entities that were trying to enforce the initial travel ban. And the courts immediately said, stop, that stops now, right? People uh, get access to lawyers. And there looked for a moment to me as though you were going to literally have, you know, federal marshals on one hand, Hmm. border control on the other. That when you have branches of government on a collision course, that's not something for which we have a, a political solution. That's a constitutional crisis. And so I think that was the last time I used the language of constitutional crisis, only because I was really terrified that if border officials decided to just ignore the courts, we were going to have something that looks like what you're describing. Um, did you think that when, um, you know, in the usual fog of war of the last few days, we had um, what looked like Trump issuing a an executive order to the Pentagon about prohibiting or even expelling transgendered soldiers from the armed forces. Did that look like a possible breach to you, especially or rather when the Pentagon, which is not officially a branch of government, sometimes acts like one, when the Pentagon defied that command Ex-cathedra. By ex-cathedra, I mean, of course, (laughs) ex-Twittera. 
we've been having this conversation. I feel like you and I have been having this I conversation, know. right? When yeah. we did live Trump cast about the, the meaning of words and and what does it mean? You know, the, the, the White House has taken the position that Trump's tweets are formal policy, right? They, they have a Sean Spicer, bless his heart. He took the position that every tweet is a official act. It is a presidential act. That is what they say. And remember the travel ban judges, right, at the Fourth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit, setting their hair on fire, trying to decide, do we give his tweets the force of official, are these presidential speech acts? And and I remember you and I talked about, what do you do when the presidential speech act can't even be parsed because it has no verb, right? Like, this is not making any sense. And I think that one of the things that the Joint Chiefs did this week when they're just like, eh, we're just not going to treat that as, you know, anything formal because, you know, that's just not how we make law and policy in this country. In one sense, it's a great deflection of the problem. We're just not going to treat that as though it's some formal announcement. You know, we need to issue guidelines. We need to have you know, there are processes for making rules, and that's great. But think about the fact that I'm just remembering Paul Ryan saying, eh, I don't read his tweets, Mm. right? I mean, I think that we're in this weird world where he now has, we've almost immunized him completely. We're saying, okay, so let's all agree that the tweets don't matter. They're just some kind of crazy stream of consciousness that, you know, goes out to the base. And I think by disaggregating these speech acts, which is the only way you can do it, right? You can only say, okay, we'll agree this has no formal content. Uh, But I think we give him an enormous pass then to sort of dip in and out of of actually being the president. And it's just, I mean, if I sound like I'm losing my mind, it's because as a legal, formal legal matter, these tweets either have to mean something or they don't. Yeah. And, And And now I think we let him opt in and out of having them mean things. And it's the only way the military can make sense of him. It's the only way the courts can make sense of him. But boy, it looks like a pretty pernicious path if you say the tweets only count when he thinks they count or when they're not crazy. You know, it it has, I I think maybe there was an article in Slate about the yeah, no, you know, when people say yeah, no. And and I kind of feel like the yeah, no— was a part of that Joint Chiefs tweet saying, yeah, we hear you, and no, we're not going to do it. I want to talk about some of our hero senators because we just saw impaired John McCain cast that final vote against the would-be skinny repeal. We're sort of bullish on senators, or at least I am today. You just had this piece that sort of finds, you know, the evidence of dissent among the Republicans in the Congress. And we have statements from Sass, actions from McCain, and statement from Grassley and Graham that look like maybe they are drawing their own red line and hinting that, as Graham says, there'll be holy hell to pay if Trump makes some of these bridge-too-far moves, including going to fire Jeff Sessions. Right. I think there were two things that started. One one started over the weekend when it was largely Trump attacking before it really became full bore 
sessions and it, when it was still Trump talking about Mueller and saying last weekend to the Times and, and several times uh, to other places, you know, first of all, he's gone too far. He shouldn't be investigating my finance and my family. And I'm going to try to figure out a way to get out from under this, including, as you recall, all sorts of conversations about discrediting all of Mueller's staff for having conflicts. And I think that started to make them nervous. And at the same time, he was also saying, hey, I would never have agreed to Sessions if I knew he was going to do something like follow the law and recuse himself, right? That has to be a bridge too far. And I think that what you saw over the weekend, interestingly, Tucker Carlson got a few people to tell him without offering names, a few Republican senators, that that made them nervous. And then what I think changed, and the reason I wrote the piece I that you're describing, Virginia, is because over the course of the week, as the attacks on Sessions escalated and escalated, it's senators began to step up and say, no, I'm actually coming to you as Chuck Grassley and Ben Sass and Lindsey Graham and saying, hell no, uh, you don't go after uh, Sessions and you don't go after Mueller. And so I think part of what happened was a general sense over the weekend that, you know, he's going to try to do something uh, to limit this investigation. That's bad. And then when it became a, a full bore assault on Sessions, including crazy stuff like, you know, Sessions is an Eagle Scout and he wasn't allowed to come to the Jamboree, like crazy stuff that he was doing where he was saying, you know, oh, Sessions only glommed on to me uh, at the beginning because of my huge crowds and poor sessions from Alabama had never seen, you know, this was unreal. And so I think when it gets so transcendently strange, then it really does dislodge something. And so I think, which is my very long way of saying, I think when you saw Lindsey Graham step up this week, I think when you saw Sass really say, you know, Grassley basically said, if he thinks he's going to get another confirmation hearing, our calendar is done. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not Mm -hmm. getting one. And he explained, Wrestley said, not for the AG. I think that we can call it spine or we can call it, you know, I think it's protecting senatorial prerogatives. I think there's a sense that, a deep sense that Sessions is first and foremost their colleague. You know, he's their brother in the Senate. Don't forget, Elizabeth Warren gets disciplined for yeah. daring to have the temerity to read the Coretta Scott King letter. So, I nevertheless, think strange. She persisting. She did. Yeah. <laughs> she persisted. But I think that there is a strange way in which the only people who are super, super real people for senators are themselves, and yeah. that's maybe a little reflected in McCain's vote uh, this morning. But also, I think that going after Jeff Sessions looks like it's crossing a line. And and why that line is at Jeff Sessions is difficult to parse. I mean, I'm curious if you think it's just that there's something rule of law, 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 law going on that, you know, is just so grand that it can't be tolerated, whereas all the other norm violations could be. So I would say my fear is, and I want to, this I want to ask you about, is that it's simply political. It's just like he, that he's a good old boy and we think he's, you know, it was one of those Mike Flynn's a good guy thing that you heard from Graham. He's honorable or he's integrity. I've never seen him cross any lines with me. Forget about Coretta Scott King. Who cares? He's my colleague and I love him. And if Trump crosses him, 
then I'm going to jump in to defend him in the bar fight. But then every now and then in that, and I, I, I think everyone should watch Lindsey Graham talk in that hallway interview yesterday because he's really feeling his way to what would be his position. And he does refer to an effort that if Trump tries to fire Sessions, they'll be holy hell to pay, which could be the conservative base turning on him. But he also says any effort to go after Mueller, who they don't have political kinship with, will be, quote, the beginning of the end of Trump's presidency. I guess this is also my long-winded way of asking, is he just hinting at political fury and possibly impeachment? Or is he saying we're nudging up to constitutional crisis and this is like an all-out catastrophe for the republic? No, I I stuck my tentacles where you did. I, I thought that what Lindsey Graham did yesterday, let's caveat this, profiles in courage, the same Lindsey Graham who said, I will not vote for this bill if it <laughs> yeah. is going to get made into law. Oh, wait, now I will. So let's <laughs> caveat his fortitude here. But I do think that what he did in saying, I'm going to propose legislation that would bolster the independence of Bob Mueller yes. and that would require a judicial check on the firing, I see that exactly the way you see that. I think that's an attempt. It's hard to see that as just craven political pandering. Yeah, I think it is. that's an attempt to protect Mueller. Now, we'll see what happens with that. It does put Democrats in the Senate in the unenviable position of having to fight for Jeff Sessions and Bob Mueller, you know, in a weird way uh, that I don't think they contemplated. But I, I think I would say one other thing, Virginia, and I have been writing around this without fully understanding it, and I think I would attach it to Graham. I think that where Donald Trump goes off the rails is that his understanding of law and lawyer is so circumscribed by his own life experience, right? He thinks that the law is what New York real estate law is. And that means if he hires the ferocious, frothing bulldog and gets the charges dismissed or settles or bullies somebody into acquiescing, that's law, yeah. right? Law is just meant to be violated and transgressed, and then somebody else sh sweeps up the shards and you move on. I truly think that the constraints, the constitutional constraints that really are the bulwark of what, you know, you started talking about when you started talking about checks and balances and balances of powers and, and independent institutions. That means nothing to him. And we've known this, right, since the election. He's talked about each provision of the Bill of Rights as though it's a joke. That's not the law he's interested in. He's interested in landlord-tenant. He's interested in bankruptcy. And I just think that his huge error was thinking that the United States Senate was made up of lawyers like his lawyers. And these people are former U.S. attorneys. They're former DAs. They're former uh, whatever they are. Some of them are con law professors. They don't come from the legal system in which lawyers are just and they get the boss what he wants. And, and I think that it's just what a little bit of what is sticking in Lindsey Graham's craw is the exact thing that stuck in Sally Yates's craw and Jim Comey's craw and mm -hmm. Bob Mueller's craw, which is you can't bully or buy your way out of every legal fix you're in. And I think that Lindsey Graham in a deep way might have said, to use your construction. This is a bridge too far simply because it is an all-out 
assault on constitutional norms and prerogatives that really goes to the idea that you just don't always get what you want because you're powerful. Is um so so was we we have to wrap up Dahlia and that, which just sucks. It just sucks. I mean I'm not you know <laughs> to use to, to quote Scaramucci, um, our eloquent, <laughs> eloquent new dude on the scene. How does this go down from here? I I mean I know that's just a lot to ask, but do you think that there are? <laughs> I've, I've begged guests on this so many times. Are there signs that the Congress is turning and that we might see an impeachment? I I think I'm doing what you're doing. I'm watching Lindsey Graham. I'm watching John McCain. I'm watching. I always remember Maxine Waters saying right after the election, she said, watch them. Those are the fishers Mm. that are going to count when their interests no longer align with the president. You're going to see it first in them. And, And I think that what you're describing both with McCain's health care vote what I'm describing with an effort, a strong effort to protect both Mueller and Sessions feels like it's one of those places where their interests don't align with the president's. And I I guess I would just say, you know, this is what is so interesting to me is that Sessions is, he's a paradox, Virginia, because while he was the first guy on board the Trump train in the in the red hat, even when his ears stuck out, he (laughs) is not a Trump guy, right? I mean, he is a Pence guy. He is his values, his the things that he has been working, and we should really say working just terrifyingly successfully to effectuate our vote suppression, unbelievably militarized policing, war on drugs, unbelievable attempt to shore up the the wall and border protection. I mean, everything he's done, massive and harrowing attacks on LGBTQ freedoms in this country, attacks on women and choice. So he is what Trump would be if Trump was really what Trump wanted to be. Uh, And Trump (laughs) isn't those things. Trump is not a Southern white guy who's been sneered at and denied a judgeship for being a racist. That's actually Sessions' story. And so in a weird way, I think that what what the Fisher here that's interesting is watching the Trump story fall apart under some scrutiny and watching the ways in which Sessions has actually been the really effective engine behind a lot of what Republican both the sort of evangelical base that Trump has and the law and order base, that's all Jeff Sessions. And I guess I would just say Trump is giving a big law and order speech today. And I don't know how you give a law and order speech without being on your knees and saying, thank you, Jeff Sessions, for making all my dreams come true. This wasn't him. Uh, And that's the Fisher to watch. I think that's where things get interesting. It, this is, it, I mean, if, I think this conversation has been ablaze with hope, but l- looking <laughs> toward the the moment where you and I, you know, find ourselves in bed with Jeff Sessions at the, in, the, in, the, in the aftermath, oh, oh, it's just really, going to be really, weird. We're really? going to wake up, we're going to wake up with hangovers and... <laughs> A martini um, glass, a cigarette, and, and just Jeff be like, Sessions. Jeff Sessions, at least Dahlia's here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for talking, Dahlia. <laughs> Thank you, Virginia. <laughs>
that's it for this garbage show about this fake constitutional crisis. Everything's fine, believe me. Today's show is produced by Jason Lazy DeLeon. Crooked Virginia Heffernan never, ever liked her. Terrible person. Nasty, nasty woman. And that terrible John D. Domenico. The guy needs to get a job. He has to get a job. Stop impersonating me. I'm going to sue you like I did all the other people. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. We will be back next week with tremendous crappy shows. President Trump, we're forever in your debt. Thank you. God bless you. God bless our truly amazing law enforcement and God bless America.